0: All right, Jim
1: Nance, thank you for the introduction there as always. And I've got another one of my mentors, Vince Cellini. You've seen him on NBA TV. You've seen him on Golf Channel over the years. And he is hosting PGA Tour Champions Learning Center at the moment. And he was out in Hawaii earlier this year. This guy is getting to know all those top players, those legends of the game, the guys he grew up watching. Of course, he's from the Cleveland area in Ohio. Diehard Browns fans. He loves The NFL covered it for many years. The NBA, of course, he covered many, many years as well, living in Atlanta, doing a lot of work for Turner Sports. This guy has been all over the map. I met him, actually, at Pebble Beach. We were working. He was on camera doing stand-ups for MajorChampionships.com, and I was his camera guy, uh, along with Ray Jensen, a good friend of mine. Uh, We were his crew, and Jeremy Friedman was our producer. There we were at Pebble Beach on the cliffs off of 18... Uh, off of some of those famous holes number seven just doing filming shots and just just covering that major championship. What a memory that is for me. My first major, really, in in media was that U.S. Open at Pebble Beach about, what, 250 miles from my house where I grew up in Sacramento. So very cool to have Vince on here, a cool moment, and we get into some awesome stuff about the old days of golf channel. Before we get to that, Encore Golf, check them out, EncoreGolf.com. They got some great golf balls, the Avant 55, the Vero X1, I've been using that one recently, and the Elixir Golf Ball is a two-time Golf Digest Hot List Gold Winner. The perimeter-weighted design, high-density, it's all about velocity at impact. That's what we all want, right? Moment of inertia. You can use my promo code here for Beyond the Clubhouse. It's B Clubhouse, the letter B and Clubhouse, to get 10% off their merchandise on their website, EncoreGolf.com. They have a huge following on Twitter and on Instagram as well, at EncoreGolf. Check them out. Very good golf balls. Let's get to Vince Cellini, though, here, my guest this week on Beyond the Clubhouse you know it's a great pleasure to be joined by Vince Cellini you've seen him Mm -hmm. on TV for many years on Golf Channel you've seen him on TNT Turner um local basketball for the Cavaliers for the Atlanta Hawks this guy's done everything in television Vince how are you doing today man
0: I'm doing great Garrett so great to spend time with you and I'm proud of you and the work that you're doing not only with your podcast but in television as well so congratulations
1: I appreciate that. You know, Vince, you know, we we met at Pebble Beach 2010 at that U.S. Open. And my my question to you is, could you ask for a more storyline-filled Sunday at one of the greatest venues in all of golf pebble beach you've got phil on father's day going for it this is 10 Mm -hmm. years ago 11 years ago and he was right there in the mix tiger woods wearing a sunday ready birdied seven the most iconic hole on the west coast he was making a run and Graham mcdowell of course dustin johnson world number one right now could you have imagined a more storyline filled day than that
0: no and i think that's what the u.s open is all about and it's it's about that type of competition it's As you know, it's always a grind. Uh, It's supposed to be that way. It's supposed to be difficult. And guys are supposed to grumble a little bit. Um, And that particular setting is just, to me, really one of the magical settings in all of golf. And it's when I do return there and when I was there that particular year, you always take time to be on the grounds and just sort of soak it in and soak in, you know, the the magic of the Pebble Beach Golf Links. Uh, It's it's an incredible place. And that was an incredible tournament as well. As you mentioned, so many of the stars were, uh, were right in the mix right to the very end. So I think it's, uh, you know, uh, USGA did a, did a really good job uh, that particular week.
1: Yes. Yeah, that's, that's a special tournament, I think, any way you look at it. You mentioned you're going to go back to Pebble Beach. Are you talking about for your Champions Tour work, Champions Tour Learning Center?
0: Well, the Pure Insurance uh, Championship is always at Pebble Beach. And so that gives us a chance to return there uh, to Pebble. Now this year, I really don't know what is in store in terms of travel. So I would love to say that we're going to return to Pebble Beach and, and spend some time there because it's one of my favorite places on earth. And by the way, Graham McDowell won that that particular year, yes. right? Yeah, Graham yes. McDowell was the winner, which is a great win for him as well. Good guy. Um
1: he would win a, a Ryder Cup later that fall. I mean, think about the confidence he took from that to win a Ryder Cup with a clinching point against Hunter Mahan.
0: And poor Hunter Mahan. I mean, that that whole thing, the way it unfolded, but that's, the, again, like we talked about the U.S. Open. That's a Ryder Cup. And you talk about the pressures of playing for not only yourself, but for your country, being a teammate and being in that situation. So that was an amazing year for Graham. It was really, like I said, just a good guy, kind of a, you know, kind of a dashing cool kind of guy. So I was happy for him to get his major as well. You're right. It elevates players. When you, you go to that next level and you win a major championship, you look at yourself differently. Other people look at you differently. And, and you know this, Garrett. You're always addressed as major champion so-and-so, Graham McDowell, Phil Mickelson. You're always a major champion, which is, uh, which is where they want to go when once once you've you've achieved that, it takes you to a whole nother level, and I think you're seen differently. And you see yourself differently in in winning a major, and that's why you know it's it's so funny. some guys win early, very early in their careers, and then you'll see other guys, at least you know a guy like we mentioned at Pebble Beach earlier, Tom kite. Hey, Tom was like forty two uh, when he when he won that major. Um, so I, I just wonder if it's going to be more rare to see older players win because the young players are so good right now and they're scooping up, you know, these major championships. Um, that's the, that's the great thing about golf is that you, you know, this, it might be your week, you know, it might be your week this week, whether it's a major or not.
1: That's a great point. Yeah. You never know. I, I mean, some of these guys that, that come in and, and win majors, you would never expect Ben Curtis, who would have ever thought 2003 open champion VJ Singh, Sergio Garcia, Tiger Woods, Davis loves so many stars right towards the top. I need to ask you, you've got three kids at home. We're going to get yeah. into your, your NFL career, your NBA career in a minute. But it's almost like picking a favorite child here. But because my f- fans are such golf nuts, what is your favorite golf event you've ever covered? You've covered Ryder Cups. You've oh, covered wow. Masters. I mean, that, let, let's get right to the punch.
0: <laughs> wow. Um, wow, that's a, that's, a, that's a tough question. I was at the Ryder Cup at Valhalla. Um, which I saw Anthony Kim just take Sergio Garcia apart uh, in 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 their particular match, and I'll I'll never forget that. I just remember what an amazing star uh, Kim was at that time and and an incredible story that he continues to be. Um, I was at uh, Torrey Pines, 2008. Uh, Tiger Woods makes that impossible, the most impossible putt ever to force a Monday playoff. The putt that is bouncing, it's Plinko on the greens at that time. And if you look at it, I still say it went in around and came back. It backed up uh, into the cup. Um, you know, this that, – that's thats tough. Um, let me think of some of the other ones um, maybe. You know, I, I, I think it's more – I was at Lucas Glover's uh, – U.S. Open, which I happen to – Yeah, at Beth Page. which the thing I remember most about that week is it rained every day, all day. It rained so much that our Golf Channel compound, it looked like the old MASH series with the tents set up and muddy puddles. And and even though they tried to line it up with boards to walk on, it turned into just a quagmire. And after about the second day or third day, I just – I kept wearing – my pants and shoes were, I, I didn't start changing. I said, st- I said, look, and I had to throw everything away. It was destroyed. All my clothes were destroyed by the end of the week. So I just threw everything away and, and left it there. Um, you know, I, I just think some of the stuff isn't major championships for me. I was one of the things that I remember most was uh tiger Phil and the duel at Doral. Uh, I don't know if you recall that one, yeah. which I, which, it basically became match play between those two guys um, on that Sunday, which was 2000, oh, five, God, 2005 2005 the 2005 I was gonna say four or five. And it came down to the final hole and the sun is setting and Phil is off the green and he has to hole out in order to, uh, to catch Tiger and he almost does. But that was amazing because a whole, an entire tournament's taking place. And then it's just match play with these two guys. And this amazing crowd is following this, this, this final group of the day. And that was, a, that was one of that, that kind of sticks with me. But more than events, it's, it's meeting some of my heroes in golf. Meeting the guys. Like people say, well, you know, you, when, when you talk to your contemporaries, it's one thing. But when you speak to legends of the game, when you speak to Jack Nicklaus and, and meeting Arnold Palmer for the first time, and Lee Trevino, and Raymond Floyd, and and the guys that I really, really watched and glommed onto as a kid, you know, and remember, those are the guys that gave me the most. Th- that's the biggest thrill for me. It's just to be in the presence of these guys and to to spend time with them. And and that's the fortunate part about golf is that is the the one on one relationship that you have as an interviewer or reporter with with some of these players. But that's kind of Mostly what I remember. I will say one of the most memorable things that happened to me in golf, And I'm going off a tangent. Do you remember the, you know, the Tahoe event, the celebrity event? Oh, yeah, absolutely. In Tahoe, which is so much fun to cover. I remember being there, I think it was the second day, and I'm in my cart and I'm, I, I, we're, we're on 16 going to 17. So I pull over and all of a sudden out of the corner of my eye, I see an object coming at me. It's like a helicopter and it's a putter. It's somebody, somebody had whirly their putter at me. Not at me, but off the green, an elevated green. And it hit the side of the cart. Oh, and I remember seeing Dave Archer, who was caddying for Jim McMahon, and I was like, what the hell? And I guess uh, Jeremy Roenick had like three-putted and just fired his putter off that green, and nearly hit me. And I was so angry, and then I was like, well, what am I gonna do, it's Jeremy Roenick. And he, he kicked my ass, so I can't really say anything. <laughs> But I was telling Archer, I go, what's with that guy? He's nuts. He's crazy. It's a celebrity event. You know, chill. But a competitor is a competitor, I guess.
1: And that's the best part of it. I love that event. You know, I grew up in Sacramento, California, and I covered that from 2000 and right around the time I met you, 2010, 2009, 2010, all the way to 2015, 2016, when I left here for the East Coast in Washington, D.C. And the competitiveness of these guys, I've I've spent time with Aaron Rodgers, just talking with him after his rounds, or Tony Romo after his rounds, and they just want it so badly. And I'm sure you've been around some of those athletes and, and how much they want to compete.
0: Well, and and I think what they realize, and this is what makes golf so unique is that, you know, you're talking about some of the greatest athletes in the world. Um, You know, I remember talking to Jerry Rice, who's played in, you know, as a Super Bowl hero. He's the greatest, maybe the greatest player ever. And how nervous he was to put that peg in the ground and hit a tee shot with people around. I mean, that kind of pressure. Is different than anything that many of these these players face. So you know these great athletes are now out of their element to a certain extent, and understanding how different it is to compete in an event like that, and you know to take the club back and try to actually make make contact. So it's uh it's pretty challenging, and and it uh, it 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 can expose. Uh, a lot of guys who think that they're really good, but may not be as good as they are. Although those guys are all, you know, pretty good players. Mm.
1: I remember when I was filming stuff for Turner Sports at at that Tahoe event, Charles Barkley would put business cards to in front of his sunglasses, like inside of his sunglasses, so he couldn't see himself making contact. I was on the range. Once he was on the first tee, and we knew of the trouble he was going through with his swing, he was actually um, – Mumbling to himself before his first tee shot, and we're talking like I I had the headphones on, listening, gathering audio, and listening to to your point about these athletes, how much they want, how nervous they are, and it's just crazy. This game does some some amazing things to us. You mentioned the legends, though. I love that you mentioned Tom Kite. I want to ask you, Champions Tour Learning Center, you're such a big host for that right now. So tell me what you want to get out of your interviews with the guys today.
0: Well. You know, the name of the show is uh, PGA Tour Champions Learning Center. And I know that we have instruction So so many different areas where you can pick up instruction, um, you know, YouTube and Instagram and so on and uh, websites and, and, you know, a lot of the shows, some of the shows we do. So I think it's important to get instruction uh, from these players. And they're really great teachers because they're patient. They've seen it all. So they can almost correct it all or at least put you in that direction. But I think the other thing about it is I think learning means learning about them. And I love to learn a little bit about their backstory and how, they, how, how they've gotten here, how their game has changed. Talk to Jay Haas about being in your 60s and trying to, you know, stay longer in that swing and how much, you know, sometimes you're, you're compensating for that. How guys have to continually adjust. Uh, Bernhard Langer tells us how his practice routine, his swing uh, components, uh, how those have changed. But how he feels that just because you age, maybe you can be better in certain areas. Maybe you can be mentally better. Maybe you can approach the game better. Maybe you can be smarter about your practice time. So that's the part I enjoy about being around those guys. And we just had a great lesson we shot in Orlando with Padraig Harrington, who at the end of August, August 31st, turns 50. PGA Tour champions eligible, Team Europe uh, Ryder Cup captain, who is spectacular uh, in in terms of his lesson and what he's and and how he's able to break it down for because you have to remember we're not we're not all PGA Tour players, you know hey. we're, we're, regu- we're regular people, so we need help, and I think that just to be able to communicate that to a regular person, make it simple, give them some some boxes to check and some points to go over it makes such a difference. And our guys are just great at communicating and they're so, they're so good in front of the camera and they're so good in their messaging. That's why, that's why really our lessons have been just, just terrific with the fellas.
1: Yes, no, it's, it's been awesome to watch and see. And the PNC, the father-son, you had some great access uh, watching your Instagram to some of those guys and the father-son element. You've got three sons yourself, Vince. So right. spending the time with those guys, what was it like in that venue?
0: Well, it, it's terrific because I, you know, had a chance to see Lee Trevino again. I haven't seen him in a while. He's 81 years old, still Lee Trevino. Lee Buck is still trying to get better. He's still good. Um, still taking guys down with that wedge game. You know, he will still has every shot in the book and more. He's got shots you've, you've never even thought of. Still and every has. one,
1: every one liner too. Yeah.
0: Every one liner <laughs> as, as well. Um, great to spend time with him because I talked to to Trevino and Gary Player. Gary Player is 85 years old, and you can see how vibrant he is and how how he's he's out there and and just his approach to everything and how excited he is to just be out there and playing and and still the message of fitness and and watching what we eat and how we sleep and I and I think being around them you 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 glean some wisdom uh, from these older players you know and how how they see life and we talked a little bit about life with these guys about you know, the, the changes that are, are going to be happening in, in society and in golf, and they all have great perspective on that. But Padraig was one of the guys we had a chance to talk to, uh, you know, Lee Jansen, Greg Norman. Uh, Norman is a – you know, I got Norman to talk about um... – <laughs> Oh, the issue, right? Um... Yeah. The uh, – well, we, we found out later that he had uh, COVID. Uh, he had tested positive for COVID. He had, he had uh, contracted it. Before that, uh, the big story for him was some of his Instagram posts that he has put out and they drawn some attention. He's walking on the beach shirtless and Greg's in great shape and he's done the body issue for ESPN, the magazine. So we got him talking a little bit about his workout routine and about how the stir he created with, uh, his Instagram post. And, uh, you know, we had a good laugh about it and (laughs) he just was like, I am who I am. You know, it's like Popeye, I am what I am. And, uh. He said, I don't try to do that. I just, you know, I I enjoy being out there and and showing some of my life, so to speak. So that's, uh, so I guess your question was just, you know, really the access with these guys and being able to to watch them. And of course, seeing uh, Charlie Woods was the star of the PNC uh, championship and what a show he put on. I mean, he's 11 and like his father, you know, in the spotlight, you know, next to the greatest player. And he shows out. I mean, his kid's got shots. He's got the body language. He understands. He's a chip. He's a chip off the old block. And it was just so entertaining to watch him uh, perform as well. And that, you know, that, that was nice. That was nice because as a kid, he want, he liked being out there. You know, I think so many times children of celebrities or a certain craft feel an obligation. But it looked like he really. He wanted to be out there, man, and he had he had all the tiger man. He had all dad's mannerisms, right? Fist pump, picking up that tee, right? The tour, he had the club twirl. Uh, he's got it down. He looked great. So that, that was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun to see that in a special event.
1: Yes, yeah, it was huge. I, I so much social media following from that, of course. And I, you know, I this we're getting to a point here that I, I love about golf: the friendships of golf. And you've talked about the people you've interviewed. I think about the friendships also with the colleagues that I've met along the way, people like yourself, people like Craig can, uh, people like, uh, you know, Jeremy Davis and producers I've worked with in the past. Um, but for you, like what, what comes to mind when it comes to friendships of golf?
0: Um, well, you know, I, I think of, you know, the people I worked with at golf channel were so talented. Rich Lerner is one of the most talented people I've ever worked with. He does everything well.
1: Um, what makes getting, you say that? What makes you say that about Rich?
0: Well, because he's great in the studio. He's a terrific writer, um, does play by play. He's great on remotes as a, as a live host. He does everything well. And that means that he's got that tool belt that allows him to do all of those things um, very, really masterfully. Um, so I, I admire him very much. We're kind of from the old school of television. And, and so I, I feel a connection with him. Craig, same way, super hard worker, um, great in studio, done play-by-play. Terrific live from shows that he did week after week at Golf Channel. Um, <clears throat> it was really a pleasure for me to spend time with Frank Nabilo, uh when we did live froms and also some segments because I always admired Frank as a player. And folks need to know that Frank really wanted to be the best television analyst he could be, and he worked at it and He was a person that I could go to and say beforehand of a show, "Is this something that do you think this is a good area? Is this a good question? Would this be a good topic and get we had we had this really good give and take uh regarding that and uh, you know just thoughtful people chambly is you know he's really found his niche as an analyst and sort of, uh, I don't know what's the, what's the word I'm looking for. It's not sort of, I don't know if he's a golf curmudgeon, but he's sort of a conversation
1: starter. Like a,
0: yeah, uh, you know, somebody like that. Who's, um, you know, who, who will be, who has an opinion on, on what we're seeing in golf, right or wrong. I mean, he has a strong opinion. And, uh, so just to be around these people, and and I'm so proud of Dan Hicks who, I worked with way back at CNN Sports in the late 80s uh, and early 90s, um, who has gone there. Dan always loved golf, and he's become, you know, this amazing play-by-play guy for NBC Sports. And not only that, but his swimming is not to be discounted either, the stuff he does in the Olympics. So I'm I'm very proud of Dan, and I just saw him recently. And Steve Sands has also turned himself into, you know, a a good play by play man. So I think Garrett really media in general, we're all about one or two people. We're separated by one or two people. Okay. You'll say, Hey, do you know him? Well, I know him because of him or her. And so there's about two degrees of separation for everyone. So it's really about relationships in this industry. And if you've been around long enough, you either know that person or know someone who knows that person. So it's, (laughs) that's, that's been the, the residue of being around a long time.
1: Yeah. Well, listen, we talked about Craig Cannon. He's a, he's a shared friend of both of ours uh, in terms of connection. We think about closeness of everybody. Um, he wanted me to ask you about your very first day at golf channel, Vince. Uh, Hopefully you tell a story. Well, we'll see where you take that here. Well,
0: you know, I, <laughs> I got, <laughs> I don't know how I'm going to tell this and make it uh make it uh, digestible. <laughs> yeah. Uh, sort of. Uh, yeah. Clean. We'll keep it clean. Uh, keep it G rated here. Um, Garrett rated. Um, well I got into golf channel and we were all in cubicles in this room. We looked like an enterprise rent a car office. That's the original golf channel. We all had little cubicles and it, it was an office space and it was not conducive to TV at all. So I'm meeting people and I hadn't met Craig yet. But, um, apparently when I went there, it was, um, I, I had a nice reception when I, when I got to golf channel, cause I had come off Turner and, and CNN and, uh, <laughs> most people were very like, Hey, welcome. You know, it's good to see you. Uh, Ken had just gotten back from Hawaii, I believe. And he walked in and just kind of walks in the news and he goes, Hey, where the F is Chelaney? Just like that. Where the <laughs> And I go. I'm, I'm right here, and that's how we met, you know, and he, he started laughing, and I started laughing, and we spent many a Sunday after that watching golf and watching NFL football and, or baseball or whatever, and Craig, uh, Craig and I have shared a lot of laughs. We still do today. I just saw him a couple of weeks ago. Well, to your point about
1: watching, you know, football and other sports while you're there, um, the environment of the good old days of Golf Channel, kind of paint us a picture of that, Vince.
0: Well, I, you know, I think it was um, even before having tour rights, it was about, um, you know, people who had a passion for the sport and people who had uh, a knowledge of television. And it was trying to present um, present golf to the public in sort of this warm and appreciative fashion. Um, it was... It was not fancy. I mean, we had, when I got there, the graphics were, were pretty dated. Um, and we did not have big research staff. I mean, you were looking at your research guys, you and a producer and maybe your other, uh, your co-anchor. Um, and there were some specialty shows. It was, it was at times pretty bare bones, but it, it was also good because it, it, you know, it, it kept it relatively clean in terms of the ingredients that went into making TV every day. Um, but not so, not so fancy, really, but really grinding and always with good relationships uh, with players along the way. And, you know, you would see players kind of come into Golf Channel to do segments now and then. And the word was that early on, very before I got there, that uh, uh, Tiger Woods would come in at night and sometimes watch uh, old programs of golf and want to see some of the old time players. And uh, that's what I heard that he would come in and, and kind of watch some of the, uh, the segments, but just a, a lot of characters. Um, but it, it, it was, it, it was interesting. It was interesting because I was not a golf, like I, I was not a golf expert, Jim Hubert, the late Jim Huber, the late great Jim Hubert had covered golf for CNN for so many years. So that was kind of his beat. So I had to really in, in, engross myself, engulf myself in, into golf when I, when I got there and needed a good year under my belt to sort of get it. Um, and there were a lot of people that were very helpful along the way that, um, I knew one thing, we, everybody was like in golf gear all the time. That was the cool part. Like you can come to work and just have golf gear on all the time. It and wasn't Helen dorky. Was like, No, it was breezy, you know, it was like kind of come in and it was just like whatever. And it was, it was central Florida and, you know, it was kind of just like really a breezy day, you know, and that I liked. I liked that a lot. It was a good, it was a nice change after, after the grind of CNN for so many years. Get it done, get it done.
1: (laughs) Well, you know what? Uh, Craig also mentioned the impersonations. You were a master of impersonations. Uh, I don't
0: know about that. Hey,
1: well, I mean there would be some extra time where you guys would have fun and, and impersonate different things. Do, what, do you remember anything, any, anything, uh, from that?
0: Um, we would just start to, you know, pick up, I wouldn't say impersonation so much as we would pick up the cadences of people. Uh, you know, Jim Nance, uh, tiger, tiger, and, uh, Gary Coke with his Gary's like, yeah, Johnny, eh. you know, those little, just, they're not even impersonations. They're like noises. And you just pick up the, the cadences of people that you hear the broadcast because you know if you sit there and listen to a golf broadcast for three hours, I mean, if you're me, and you're crazy, that's what you hear. You know, you start to hear some of those little, those little things that go on. So, um, yeah, it's more, more of a, <laughs> more of an interpretation than an impersonation, maybe.
1: No, that that's great. Uh, golf, listen, I'll face it, it. It's one of the most vanilla. It it can get so vanilla, so you have to mix it up and you have to look at other things.
0: And that's talk- why I like Johnny Miller so much. I like Johnny Miller um, because I met him for a golf talk. I did. I took over golf talk for a while, and it was interesting because I thought he's such a unique person. I really am. I I admire him as a player. I did, and then as an analyst, he said stuff that like nobody ever said before. You know. Um, you saw this guy, if Hogan saw it swing, he'd puke. And, you know, some of the stuff he said was just outrageous. And I met him, and I thought, this guy is alternately super humble and an egomaniac at the same time. He's like, it's, it's incredible. He's this ball of, of both things. I remember him getting up and saying, can I give Tiger a lesson? He had a club. I said, yeah, man, get up and, Tiger, you should do this. And this is when he, Tiger's in his heyday. Who's telling Tiger what to do? But that's what makes him unique and so good. And uh, I, I, I miss, I miss Johnny Miller a little bit on the broadcast. You know, I kind of, I kind of miss his, uh, his insights and his style. He was always doom and gloom. Oh, this could go anywhere, or this is, this could be trouble, or this, you know, he could fly easily fly. You know, he was always doom and gloom on every shot, <laughs> which was kind of funny.
1: Yeah, no, we definitely miss his voice. So there. I'm sorry
0: to interrupt you. but No, no
1: problem. I mean, his voice is huge to the broadcast, and you're getting real, real stuff, not fluffy, feel good um, material. But I wanted to ask you more generally about your career. NFL coverage, I mean, Super Bowl, your first Super Bowl was January 27th, 1991. What did you take away from the Giants and Buffalo Bills week that week for you? What um, stands
0: out? Wow. Well, there's a lot going on that week. The uh, Persian Gulf War was going on. So there was a chance that we weren't even going to be able to, uh, to get to Raymond James in Tampa. And there were, there were huge cement uh, bar- barricades all around the stadium. So was, security was like super tight because of that. But there was also a very um, patriotic feel uh, to that particular game. There were a lot of things going on there. First of all, Buffalo was like this amazing offense. They couldn't be stopped. They were rolling up points. The Giants were a huge underdog. Jeff Hostet, there's their backup quarterback, is playing. They don't have a chance. How are they going to do it? And how are you going to stop this? How are you going to stop? And so the one thing that also stands out is Whitney Houston sang the national anthem uh, for that particular game, which was people had flags. She belted out. The, for, I love Whitney Houston. Love, I mean, she's one of my all-time, all-time favorite uh, singers. She belted out this national anthem, and people were crying. In the stands that's how emotional it was uh, prior to the game so I do remember that I do remember how grumpy Parcells was uh, during the course of the week and I do remember seeing a lot of the Buffalo Bills around town all week around town and I do believe uh, I remember the finish of that game and uh, just that the Giants were able to somehow pull that out but it was an it was an incredible first super bowl for me to uh to be able to cover given all those things that took place and how much how much i love the nfl
1: yes you're a huge nfl guy you love your cleveland browns i've seen you tweeting about them <laughs> what are you saying get, get your <laughs> resumes in. sometimes
0: i love them sometimes sometimes <laughs> i don't love them so much but sometimes i do yeah
1: well growing up in in that part of the country um you know, Vince, when did you realize you, you have to work in sports? You just yeah. have to find a way to do this.
0: Well, I, you know, I grew up in the east side of Cleveland um, in the city. I was an inner city kid. And so I, I remember sports was just basically the connection with my father. My father was kind of a blue collar guy, factory worker. Um, and, but sports was our connection. We, weren't, we didn't have a ton in common, but that was like the way that we could be together and, uh, and talk sports and, be, and share something. But I remember being in sixth grade and we went to a field trip in a, a downtown educational facility in Cleveland. Our, our public school had a bus trip and uh, we got to sit in front of a closed circuit camera at, and, and speak. And I was about 11 and I said, this is what I want to do. Uh, I want. I want to do this, and you have to understand, Garrett. At that time, it's impossible. That there's no. I couldn't. I couldn't share that with anyone because it was such a. It would be like saying, well, you know, I'd like to go to the moon, and I'm going to take a rocket ride, and there was no formula for that. But long story short, uh, went to school, went to college, college of Worcester, not really a TV school. Did some radio, radio play-by-play. Got out, and the thing that shifted me was really badgering a family friend to give me an internship at a local tv station and in that year of internship it was like going to grad school for television with veteran reporters how to shoot stories how to cut tape how to write it was everything i needed to i was like going to school and i would just i would shadow reporters as a kid bring my own tape recorder they would do an interview i tape it they would cover a story whether it was a fire or Robbery and I would come back and write my own story and then use the sound and compare it to theirs the one that aired So it was just like going to school every day and I asked questions. I shadowed people um, and that's I learned I learned in a very hands-on manner and in about a year I Was doing the weekend sports. They gave me a shot to do weekend sports and at first I was this is me doing sports Hi, welcome to the show. I'm very happy to be with you. You know, the Browns kicked off. A- it was like a like horrified kid. But, you know, it's like anything else. You get some reps, and you get better and better. And then eventually, your personality takes over, and you have a style, and so on and so forth. But I learned from wonderful people at uh, WJW in Cleveland. Just incredible people. And the one thing you have to have is someone has to champion you in any profession. Virgil Dominic was our news director. He gave me an opportunity off the street to to be there. Jim Walton from CNN Sports gave me an opportunity to do shows, to do Calling All Sports, which was against the grain and a complete departure of anything I'd ever done, championed me. Um, Tony Tortorici hired me at Golf Channel, was a fan. So someone has to be in your corner in order for you to really have that opportunity. And I thank all of those people for uh, for helping me out along the way.
1: That's awesome. Well, I, well, I love when you give credit where credit's due and, and that happens so much in our lives. There are so many important people that you right. have to remember. I, that's my perspective, Vince.
0: Yeah, you and you know, it's 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 not only getting an opportunity, it's making the most of that opportunity and, and saying, you know, I'm not gonna let you down. I'm gonna take this and I'm gonna run with it, you know, if that's what you want. But I, I do believe that you have to have a passion for this business. And I think that it's something that most people I talk to, Garrett, have really wanted to do this since they were kids. I think most of them. And they that's doing it for the right reason. I didn't do this because I wanted people to know who I was. I wanted to be on TV or be be known or have likes. I did it because I felt I had an obligation to bring people their information about sports, which I love, and make sure that I presented in an entertaining fashion and and give it to them as as somebody they would trust, you know, and you have to have that, that trust aspect on television. And so that was, that's all I've ever tried to do is just work, prepare, and, and then deliver. Um, but it's, it is a craft, and I look at it as such. You know, it's, it's, it's not just put a clip of mic on and, you know, off you go. Uh, so I, I just always took, a, took great pride in, in doing television work.
1: And that comes across through all the work with NBA TV over the years and with um, the Hawks and uh, Cleveland, There's so many different, so many different uh, stops you've made along the way. And and you're, uh, and you're probably
0: thinking, you're probably thinking, how this guy get so old? How'd, what happened?
1: <laughs> 30, 39 years of broadcasting. That's 39. That's a lot of someone's life. Like that is, that's some major commitment Vince.
0: you know, Garrett, and, and not to, not to sound like I'm at some, uh, you know, appreciation dinner. But I, I'm i so grateful to everyone that I've worked with and allowed me to be on their their air. And the people I've worked with, my analysts at NBA TV, Steve Smith, Dennis Scott. I mean, I, I, I love those guys so much, Shaq. My analysts at CNN, the late Ron Meyer, such a great guy. I got to work with Kenny Stabler for a year. Um, I'm so grateful that this kid got a chance to really pursue his dream. And I really don't have any, I feel like I checked the boxes, you know, I'm going to look back at this someday, not that it's over. And I'll say, you know what? I, I did okay. I did everything I, I really wanted to do in this business. I've been so fortunate. And, uh, so I, I I I loved it. I still love it, you know. And when I don't love it anymore, I won't do it.
1: Yeah, I guess in closing, what would you want to tell? I guess the audience that what that they should remember from the thirty nine years. There's so much in in your memory bank, I'm sure. But is there a lesson that you want uh, listeners to know about your, wow. your experience?
0: That's a great question. Um, I think that um, that I. I I appreciate the fact that they allowed me to, uh, to be in their living room discussing their team or teams (laughs) Um, that there was always, always great care and respect in doing it. It was always very sincere and that I, uh, I was prepared and did the best job I could possibly do and that they were able to tolerate a little bit of my, smart acidity uh along the way. But just just thankful that um and and just want people to know that you know it was it was all done with great care and respect uh for not only the uh the in the industry, um television itself, but uh you know the teams in doing this. It wasn't it was never haphazard and it was always um, something that I tried to, to do to the best of my ability, so I guess I guess that's about it. And I was never intoxicated on the air. Should they know that as well?
1: <laughs> sure, just throw it in. Why not? Why not, Vince? This has been a blast. It's it's been great chatting here Thanks about here. your career, about life, about the lessons of life, and friendships are so important at these events that we get to know. It's about the people, in my opinion. So always enjoy the time, and uh, great to visit, Vince.
0: Thank you, Garrett. I really appreciate it, and congratulations uh, on the show. So I look forward to seeing you down the road.
1: All right, my thanks to Vince Cellini there for joining me here on Beyond the Club. It was a lot of fun. Uh, Here he is. uh, You can follow him on Instagram, Vince underscore Cellini, C-E-L-L-I-N-I. Same thing on Twitter, same handle. He's so active. Of course, he's got his boys, his three sons, that he loves to rave about all the time, but yeah, anyway, Vince, one of the good guys in all sports broadcasting, 39 year career, and here he is going out. He just got back from Hawaii, going out to the BJ Tour Champions event out there. This guy is so active and getting things done, so follow him as best you can. And also on um, Instagram, you're gonna see a lot of the video interviews from this week with Vince Cellini from the interview. So follow me at Johnston Garrett as well as at Beyond the Clubhouse. Um, Twitter will have the videos as well, some of the best stories he had about the Super Bowl and about so many other events uh, over the years with Golf Channel and whatnot. So Twitter is at Johnson Garrett and at Beyond Clubhouse. Hope you had a blast with this as much, as much fun as I've had. It's been great. But anyway, we'll catch up again soon here on Beyond the Clubhouse.